You've been sold the idea that financial independence is all about some number on your account statement. Or even worse, that you don't qualify because of where you started out. That's just not true. It's not about some well-kept secret of the wealthy. It's about finding the right information and knowing how to apply it. On the Get Ready for the Future show, we're answering your questions so you can start making real financial change today. The journey to true financial independence begins right here, and it starts with you. Hey, welcome in to the Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Inman, John Shrewsbury with me as we get set to help you once again clearly define your path to true financial independence. That's what it's all about on this show, John, all about education. We're taking your questions, as we've been doing for several months now, providing some things to think about, but ultimately that's the goal, right? We are trying to help people on their path to true financial independence. Yeah, absolutely. To discover it, to uh, protect it, and to transfer financial independence is is really our vision and our, our mission here at GenWealth. And so uh, I guess I'm, I'm sitting in the hot seat today for questions, and uh, yeah. we're going to tackle several of them and uh, some of them very, very uh, timely and topical. Well, and if you're sitting there listening to us say that and say, hey, man, I've got a question, it's real easy to ask one. Uh, you can call in and leave a voicemail, or you can text us a question. And here's the number, 501-381-5228. One more time for you, 501-381-5228. Just send us a text with your question or leave a voicemail. And if you'd rather do it this way, you can also just send an email. You can send it to show at getreadyforthefuture.com. Get those questions in, and we will use them on the air. So first up today is Kimberly from Little Rock. Here's Kimberly's question. I've been hearing a lot of people talking about indexed universal life investments. Are these something I should be investing in? Since I've only heard good things, can you tell me more about the pros and cons? Well, way to go, Kimberly, looking for all sides there. She has been hearing only good things. No, nothing can be that great, right? It, it, it's, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is right that's the way the saying goes and Kimberly's looking to find out a little bit more information and this has kind of been uh obviously it's not a new product but it's getting some new attention yeah you know it's kind of like a bad penny it just kind of keeps coming up yeah and and I think the first problem is Kimberly referred to this as an indexed universal life investment Hmm. it is not an investment it is an insurance policy uh, that's very clear. It is built on an insurance policy chassis. It is a insurance policy that has its internal performance of the cash value tied to some index. Now, it gets pretty complicated from here. But this is something, Scott, I think that is very timely because I would bet that Kimberly has been on TikTok or mm. uh, maybe Instagram because that's kind of an area where uh, the hawkers of this index universal life policy, they go out there and and basically tell all of the positive attributes, but don't really emphasize the other side of the equation. So let's kind of expose this a little bit and talk just a little bit about what index universal life is. So it's a life insurance policy that builds a cash value. Now, from my uh, 100% my philosophy on most people's need for life insurance is they need to have it separate and it needs to be term life insurance because you can buy way more of it than you can any other product for the premium that you're paying for. So insurance is for insuring your life. It's actually for insuring your income to your family. 
This is promoted as a retirement accumulation vehicle, and you can accumulate money in an index universal life policy. But you can also accumulate money under your mattress. So that's not necessarily the best place to put it. So let's talk about what Index Universal Life does. If you kind of think about Index Universal Life, sort of like this cup. So you put premiums into the cup. That creates the liquid in the cup, which is called the cash value. But out of that, the insurance company is going to take the cost of insurance and the fees and the administrative charges and the commissions that are paid on this index universal life policy. But because it is an indexed related policy, it actually has got a limit or a cap on how much you can earn. So if you think about an index like the S&P 500, if the S&P 500 is up, let's say year to date, the S&P 500 is up about 15% or mm-hmm. so. But in most cases, in an index universal life policy, you're not going to see that actual performance. Mm-hmm because you've got a cap on, on the performance. Right. The, the, the draw of Index Universal Life uh, is that it doesn't lose any money. There is right. no downside risk to it. The insurance company says that you will never be credited a negative rate of return, and that's attractive to people, particularly in a time when the markets are volatile and things of that nature. However, you have to think about balancing the good with the bad, and there is a cap. And as long as you're cognizant of what that cap is, that's fine. But you also have to think about what that does as far as the total end value of your accumulation is concerned. And so it's it's really in a tax deferred account, which is good, much like a 401k. Where I really have a problem, Scott, is when people are told, take your money out of your 401k or your IRA or something like that, pay the taxes on it and put it into this index universal life policy because you don't know what the taxes are going to ever go to. And, and you might as well go ahead and get those taxes paid now and buy this policy because you can create tax-free income from this policy. Now we'll get to the tax-free part in just a second, but let's first of all, talk about the, the idea of taking money out of a qualified plan. Yeah. So you, I was, that's where I was going next. You did a great job explaining about what the product is. Now let's kind of talk about the problem with getting to that product yep. with your life savings in a 401k or an IRA. And the reality of it is, is the back end of that statement is absolutely true. You'll be able to get tax-free retirement income from that vehicle, from that life insurance policy. It's how you get there that it could, that is going to potentially destroy you in taxes. Because what people want you to do in these cases is to take it all out at once, right? Yep. So let's say you've saved $500,000. Let's just use that as a number. And they want you to withdraw that you have to. There's no other way to do that. To get it out of the 401k, to get it out of the IRA, and put it into this life insurance, you've got to pull $500,000 out at one time. Well, what does that do to you? Well, if you're uh, in your final working year, if you do this at retirement, at least a portion of your income in your final uh, year of work is going to be on that tax year, right? So let's say you made $100,000 in your final year of work when you do this. You've just stacked. When you withdraw that half a million dollars out, you've just stacked that on top of the $100,000 in employment income. So now you've made $600,000 if you did it in this year in 2023. So that 500000 is going to be in a very high tax bracket, and you're yeah. going to have to pay that out on your tax return in the following year to get to 
that tax-free income in retirement. Well, let's talk about that tax-free income in retirement because the way you affect tax-free income from a index universal life policy or any life insurance policy is you have to borrow the money from the policy and you're actually executing a loan with the insurance company and the interest is charged against the, the policy itself. So, Scott, this works until it doesn't, because essentially you're uh, taking those tax-free loans, if you will, out of the index universal life policy, and you're drawing the value of that policy down. If you draw that policy down to a certain level, then you're going to get a lapse notice. And that lapse notice will very clearly say, if you lapse this policy, any buildup of savings in this, uh, any credited interest that you had is going to be taxable in the year in which the policy lapses. And so it, it is, it's fraught with all kinds of dangers. And, and I just fear that, that some people are being drawn into this because, number one, they, they feel like that, that they're up against the wall on taxes, which is not necessarily the case, as we've said in the, on this show many, many times just because you have a big IRA doesn't mean you have to pay a big amount in taxes. You have to pay out whatever it is you withdraw in the year. And most of the time, those taxes are, are fairly reasonable on a, on a uh, per capita basis. Now, the other thing that Universal Life touts is the, there's no downside risk. And when there's no downside risk, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you have to also think about what it is you're giving up right. in terms of the power of compound interest. If you believe the, the uh, premise of equities for the long term make a lot of sense, then an index universal life policy probably doesn't make a lot of sense, especially if you have other alternatives to take a look at. Yeah, we say all the time, taking away the market risk, you could be accepting another risk. And a couple of risks you're accepting there is, are you even going to be able to keep up with inflation? You know, we talk about it all the time, that stocks and real estate are the only asset classes that have historically, over time, outpaced inflation. One other thing about this index universal life, those caps they are reset every year. And guess who's yep. in control of those? Yep. The, the insurance company. company. Right. And, and so if the market's going to do well, the insurance company may lower that cap so their profit is is much more. Yeah, and the other part of that, too, is is you're, you are buying a death benefit, whether you need it or not. So when it comes to the let insurance be insurance and your investments be in, in your investments, depending on what stage of life you're in and what your need is for that season of life, we believe getting as big of a death benefit for as little amount of cost is the way to go on the insurance side. And that's usually established through term life insurance because we believe there's going to be a season of life where you need protection on your income and on your life. And then there is likely, if you've uh, walked through your plan to fruition and reached true financial independence, there's likely going to be a time where you don't need that death benefit anymore because your assets are now your life insurance policy. That's right. And one other thing, Scott, I will mention is that, that you know, we have access to virtually any financial product that's out there. Mm -hmm. We don't recommend index universal life because we just don't think it's a good idea for most people. They've got lots of other alternatives. And so uh, you have to also ask yourself, what other offerings do the people who are hawking uh, index universal life have? Most of the time, if they are registered at all, they're registered as only as an insurance agent. And, and that's, you know, when, when you, the guy has a hammer, if he's a carpenter, everything looks like a nail. And, mm -hmm. and so you, you literally uh, pitch this product as the, the you know, Swiss Army knife of financial products. 
and I don't think it really stands up to that comparison. Yeah, this reminds me a little bit about the uh, ads for buying gold, right? Why, yep. why do they want you to buy gold? Because they have some for sale, Yeah. right? And it's the same with people who are limited on their licensing. If they can only sell insurance products, why do they think you need an insurance product? Because that's all they're licensed that's, to that's sell. That's what they got. All right, our next question. Thanks again, Kimberly from Little Rock, for that question. Moving on to William from Maumel. William writes, I'm nearing retirement, currently 59. I don't want my lifestyle to change when I retire. I don't want to travel more, but I don't want to be worried every time I spend money. How do I know if I have enough saved? William, you're right in the same boat with a lot of people we speak to. You know, we talk about a lot of folks think of that 401k or that life savings as a just-in-case retirement, right? They, they're too afraid to tap it because they don't know how much they can spend, how long it will last. And really, the first thing we should talk about with William is where's your plan? What's your plan say? Yeah, uh, William needs a plan uh, like everybody needs oxygen. And, mm-hmm. and so when you think about this plan, I think the first step in the plan, William, is you've got to determine what your basic living expenses are. Uh, and that's just simple accounting math that you just sit down and go, okay, what do I spend every month? And you can easily do that. And so what you want to look at is, okay, if I'm spending, let's just say $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year, what are my income sources? And what are they those sources going to net me after taxes? So what you're really trying to do is you're trying to take that $60,000 a year of expenses and meet it with some type of guaranteed income that's going to net you $60,000 of net income after taxes. And so at that particular point in time, you've got, once you have that secured, you've got uh, your basic living expenses covered. And you don't have to worry about that if those are from guaranteed income sources. Beyond that, then any other resources that you have that's not involved in generating that $60,000 a year in income, you are free to spend it however you want to because you actually are not going to lower your standard of living if you have an, a situation where you have spent that money and you don't have any other discretionary money, if you've got that guaranteed income secured, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, and William wants to know how does he know if he has enough saved. Focusing on the assets is really not the right place to focus. It is important, and it's going to be a key component to your retirement plan, but really the, the, the number to focus on is the income, as John has alluded to. Spend some time thinking about those two income numbers. What do you need for a basic lifestyle to be sustained but he talks about not wanting his lifestyle to change so that's above and beyond the basic how do you create an income stream to support your full lifestyle so you've got your what we call required income that supports your basic necessities that's a basic level of of living but then above that for your discretionary income that's your desired income and when we walk through the planning process uh, with our clients, we are building those two numbers, stacking them on, on top, talking, as John has already alluded to, in terms of a net monthly income number. That's what we've got to solve for, right? That's our number. And then we can reverse engineer, so to speak, through our software back into what the asset number is that is needed to create that income. That's the process, William. And when you have that, when you have that written down on paper on purpose, that can really 
knock down that worry every time you spend money. You you talked about the license to spend or the freedom, yes, the freedom to, spend to spend because you see how it works. It's written down. You know where you're going every time you spend that money. Scott, I think that's part of financial independence, mm-hmm. of knowing that you've got your basic lifestyle uh, covered, your basic life expenses covered. Then you are independent. You are free at that particular point in time to spend what you want and when you want. Now, obviously, there's not just a, a, an end to uh, there's no end to that money. You've got an end to it. But if you are careful about what you're doing and you're planning properly, then you can probably say, okay, if that $5,000 a month is my basic living expenses and I want to be able to discretionary spend another $2,000 a month, then you can work into how much do I have to have to generate that additional $2,000 a month and it likely not run out. But the key here is that you don't need to necessarily guarantee that discretionary spending, you do need to guarantee the spending on your basic living expenses. Let's talk real briefly about how you know where and how to spend with that discretionary money, because it may be really easy for someone to hear us say, well, you're going to leave that up to the investments, right? You're going to have your basic lifestyle secured with guaranteed income sources, and then the discretionary is brought on by the market-related instruments. Well, what if the market is down like it was in 2022? Right. How am I going to continue to get that consistent income? Well, here's here's the key. The money you're spending in 2022 is not exposed to the market. Yeah, you you uh, do a bucketing strategy like we do here at GenWealth, our segment and, uh, time segment and strategy where you dedicate very uh, conservative investments to the near term, uh, more moderate investments into the mi- intermediate term, say the next 10 to 15 years. And then your long-term investments are investments that can go into equities. Equities are great for long-term investments where people really get into a rub with equities is when they start looking at the performance on a year-to-year basis because every year is not going to be a positive year. You've got to resign yourself to that fact that you're going to have some ups and downs in the equities markets, and you have to allow that to play out over the long term. So clearly, that's something that that we, too, uh, believe that you should do uh, in addition to making sure that that income, that basic income is taken care of on a guaranteed basis. You want to uh, put yourself in the best position to win by creating some sort of time segmented or bucketing strategy where you start with conservative investments in the near term, uh, more moderate investments in the intermediate term and equity investments for the long term. One final note from uh, something that William asked about. He said he wanted to travel more too, John. You know, you think about lump sum purchases in retirement. It, maybe it's a maybe it's a trip that he's been wanting to take all his life. Right. Maybe for somebody else, it's a way to replace a vehicle, uh, an RV purchase, whatever it is that might not want to. You might not want to be able to, or might not be able to use your monthly income distributions to do that. If you've overfunded retirement, right, which is what we say is, okay, we have matched those numbers out we just talked about. Here's your income. Here's the asset level that is going to be needed to produce that income. Maybe there's another $100,000. That can be parked on the side for potential lump sum purchases. But another great thing to designate for those lump sum purchases is if there's some Roth IRA money. Man, I love Roth IRA money for lump sum purchases because it does not increase your taxable income when you make that that purchase. Scott, uh, you know, what's very common is people will come in and they'll say, well, how am I going to pay for a vehicle? I, I, how am I going to build that into my, my retirement plan? Well, a way that you could do that is just to increase your 
uh, projected income that your needed income for the future to account for a vehicle payment. But what you could also do is to take some Roth money, maybe money that you set aside in a Roth IRA that now is worth forty or fifty thousand dollars. You want to go buy a new vehicle? You can go do that, and it does not increase your taxable income when you make that purchase. If you pull that money, Scott, from a uh, a taxable uh, account, meaning one that is pre-tax money that you haven't paid any taxes on, then you're going to owe tax on whatever it is you withdraw. And by the way, that's going to sit right on top of your existing income, which could bump you up into another tax bracket. This is why forward-looking tax planning makes a lot of sense in retirement. Yeah, and I know we've got to move on, but one of the things I think about is don't worry if you don't have a Roth IRA or you don't have enough Roth uh, money to, to make that lump sum purchase. There are Ways we can get that out slowly, right, over yep. the course of several years so that you don't have to jump a tax bracket. And it may even be as easy as splitting it, taking some out in December and taking the rest out in January because you've moved into a new tax year. There's yes. all kinds of ways to, to, to make that happen. All right, we are taking your questions on the Get Ready for the Future show. You can call them in or text them to us at 501-381-5228 or send us an email to show at getreadyforthefuture.com. We want to know what's on your mind, and we'll get those questions on the air, just like Matthew from Searcy. Matthew says, I'm 61, and I have around $650,000 saved for retirement. Now, I've always heard people either swear by or swear off annuities. What's your opinion, and how does it fit into a retirement plan? Well, we talked just a minute ago when we were talking about the income about guaranteed income sources. Right. Let's set the, the stage here. When we plan for our clients at GenWealth and take them to, through the ready-to-retire process, job number one is to make sure that our monthly, in, our monthly expenses, what we're going to have to have outflow out of our checking account every month, is met with guaranteed, predictable monthly income. Now, where do you get that? We're going to have Social Security. Maybe there's two Social Security checks if it's a married couple. Maybe there's a pension. But if those guaranteed income sources do not match the money that has to outflow on a monthly basis, then we have a problem. And that is where the role of a guaranteed income product like an annuity can make a huge difference in someone's retirement. Yeah, I, let me just say to to Matthew and Cersei, I know that people either swear by or swear off of annuities and people are entitled to their opinion. What they're not entitled to are their own facts. Here are the facts. If you have a gap between what your required income is every month for retirement, because that's what you've got to meet is your monthly bills and the income sources that you have, if there is a difference there, let's go back to that $60,000 a year example that I was talking about. What if your social security only comes up to 45,000? Then you've got a $15,000 a year gap. Well, the question becomes, do you want to have a probability-based uh, factor of filling that, that gap where probably you'll be able to fill it, but it might or might not work out? I think about that. If I were going out here to Little Rock National and, and getting on an airplane and the pilot said, hey, there's about an 85% chance we're going to make it to our destination, I'm probably getting off that airplane. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, and, and I think about that in terms of your basic living expenses. To me... Financial freedom, financial independence means that you don't have to worry about that at all. Mm -hmm. And when you actually use an annuity to fill that gap, that is the proper use of an annuity. 
Now, there may be one or two other proper uses of annuities out there, but they are not like the the Swiss Army knife of Index Universal Life that we talked about before. There's very specific uses for annuity products, and this is one of them where you would fill that gap. If you have a pension and Social Security that meets all of your basic living expenses, guess what? You don't need an annuity. If you don't have those basic living expenses met by guaranteed income sources, guess what? You likely do need an annuity. So that's the acid test, I think, as far as this is concerned. But, you know, Scott, there is some independent mm-hmm. uh, third party. Don't take it from us because we are in the business of, of providing retirement income programs like annuities. Don't take it from us. Let's take it from a couple of uh, different institutions. Yeah, there is a new report uh, out recently published by BlackRock and the Bipartisan Policy Center that says adding guaranteed lifetime income combined with a more aggressive asset allocation can generate an additional 29% in a typical person's annual spending power from accumulated retirement savings. And that's not counting Social Security. So when you think about what that's saying, right, they're saying in a person's, let's take, let's take, it, let's take uh, the $650,000 that Matthew has from Cersei. It's saying that if you use that retirement savings and use a guaranteed lifetime income product like an annuity, that you can increase annual spending power by 29%. And this, this is BlackRock and a bipartisan policy center. So you've got a, you've got a think tank combined with uh, one of the largest investment companies in the world, who, by the way, they don't make annuities. Yeah, they don't sell annuities. Yeah. They, they have no dog in this fight. They have just uh, very accurately looked at it. And by the way, think what you want to about BlackRock and their ESG policies. I know there's some probably yeah, some yep. people grumbling about that. And, and as legitimate as that is, it has nothing to do with this. This is an a independent third party look at what is best. Here's the other thing, Scott. The study also says that, that that combination of an annuity and a more aggressive investment portfolio gives you a reduced downside risk of up to 35%. So it really does speak to some of the dangers of, of trying to figure out this whole retirement income strategy, uh, providing more income and less downside risk. I think that is a winning combination for just about anybody that's out there, and we'd be more than happy to provide this BlackRock study if anybody would like to take a look at it. Now, one uh, caveat to that we should mention, too, that you should definitely be discerning when it comes to which annuity. You know, that yep. was a pretty blanket statement off, uh, that, that we made in the, or that the, the uh, caller made there with the question of you either swear by or swear off annuities. My, every time I hear that comment, I always think about, well, which annuity are we talking yeah. about? Because there's multiple types. There's multiple insurance carriers that provide them. Which annuity are we talking about? And you do need a discernment or a, a screening process through the use of a financial advisor to help find the right one if one is needed for your plan. And we have a very aggressive screening process here at GenWealth. There's only a handful of annuity products that we deem to be worthy of putting in front of our clients as a as a potential for uh, use in their portfolio. And by the way, it doesn't involve all of their retirement money. Anybody that ever tells you that you ought to put all of your money in any financial instrument, you probably ought to run because I don't think that's good advice. I think that there is a tool for a job that has to be done. And if you don't have that job that needs to be taken care of, then you don't need that tool. But you do need a proper tool to provide for the financial independence that we've talked about and that freedom to spend all of your other money. So uh, because you know that 
There are dollars over here working to provide your basic lifestyle expenses that are going to happen every month of every year of your retirement. Taking your questions on the Get Ready for the Future show, you can send them to us by calling 501-381-5228. You can leave a voicemail or you can just shoot us a text at that number to hear your questions answered on the air. If you'd prefer, you can send us an email. Just send it to show at getreadyforthefuture.com. Our final question on today's show. Sarah from Little Rock writes, My husband and I are trying to decide whether to stay where we are and pay off our mortgage or buy land and build our dream home. We're in our younger 50s. I like that. Not early 50s. Younger 50s. (laughs) Younger 50s. And have a decent amount saved for retirement. Obviously, we'd love to build, but is that wise with where we are? Well, we don't know the retirement time horizon for sure there for Sarah and her husband. We do know being in their younger 50s, it is starting to get closer. Uh, Let's say you're 10 or 15 years away there uh, from being retired. And the goal, let's start off with this. The goal would certainly be to be mortgage-free at retirement. That's what we right. want our clients to do. Not everybody gets to do that, but if you are that far out, there should be a really good way to plan for having no mortgage by the time you retire. But as far as how that is accomplished, because that may lead Sarah to say, oh, well, we need to pay off our mortgage. Well, maybe, maybe not, because now we need to kind of, kind of take a look at well, what kind of equity do we have in the current uh, home you're in? And how much are you going to need if you buy land and build a new home? Well, and the other factor here, Scott, and and I think there may be a little bit of FOMO here, a little bit of fear of missing out, because, you know, a lot of people did this when interest rates were low. Yep. And now interest rates are higher. And I'm wondering if now is really the best time for Sarah to be thinking about this. I mm-hmm. think that that's a, a real legitimate question. But I think we've got to go back to understand what Sarah says is a decent amount saved for retirement. Mm -hmm. Is a decent amount enough for you to be able to live the lifestyle that you want or will be able will be enough by the time you get to retirement? Will it be a a legitimate amount of money for you to be able to build a retirement income plan for? If that is the case, then you might have some talk to, to do about this. But I'm not. I will just tell you, I'm not real warm to this idea because of the timing, the interest rates, and then the question mark about whether or not they are on track for retirement. Look, you don't get any opportunity to do a do-over as far as retirement is concerned. You've got a you've got a win, you've got a score, and you're moving into what we would call that retirement red zone. And the question's got to be if you're going to burden yourself with an additional amount of money per month that you've got to redirect your resources over to a, a, a dream house, it could be a nightmare house, especially if something comes up, if you have to retire early or whatever the case may be. Scott, there's a lot of big questions here. And, and I think that, that, you know, on the other side of that, if you've got a lot of equity in your home and you can do this with a very short mortgage and, and something that you could pay off before retirement, that might be an angle here. I don't know that we know enough about their situation to really talk about, but we do need to give them some things to think about. Yeah, and that's a great point you bring up about a decent amount saved for retirement. That is such a subjective determination, right? And if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a retirement income plan, how do you know if decent, well, first of all, you don't want a decent retirement. You want a world-class retirement. So you want to make sure that you're on track to have that. But I do think people's um, perspectives on that can be very skewed on both sides of that, right? I mean, we've had people come in who I can tell you have, they've had 
a million dollars saved for retirement and they'll say something like well i know we're not going to be a big client for you and all you know they have a mentality that they don't have a lot of money and by the same token we've had some people come in and say hey uh i've got two hundred thousand dollars saved for retirement and i want 10 grand a month you know like there's a mentality there that has (laughs) to has to match reality you talked about people are entitled to their own opinions are not entitled to the facts that's what planning can do for you is what's decent amount yeah i I think that this begs for a, a a total uh look at their overall finances because you can't really make this work in a vacuum. Mm. Uh, and, and here's the, the danger that, that Sarah and her husband could fall into. Uh, you can get intoxicated by that dream home idea. Mm. You can really just almost fall off a cliff uh, financially by just thinking about and, and uh, maybe you know Sarah and her husband watched some HGTV or something of that nature. <laughs> uh, but it, it is really uh, something that they've got to, to really take a look at. And I think that your priority has got to be not necessarily a dream home, but being financially independent. And being financially independent, I think it's going to be worth way more than necessarily having a dream home out there. I think, Scott, sometimes you can build a dream home and then empty nester syndrome hits, and then all of a sudden you got more house than you know what to do with. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. Well, Sarah, it's my, my wife's name is Sarah, by the way. Uh, but Sarah, my wife, and I have talked about what does our dream home look like? And mine is really more concentrated on the outdoor space because I don't really think you need a big house after all my kids are gone, right? Yeah. I mean, there is the concept that they're going to bring the grandkids back, but, you know, they can stay in a hotel if there's too many of them, right? If they have to. <laughs> I'll even pay for it because I'm financially independent, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you do have to kind of analyze, is your dream home just what you've dreamed about all your life uh, and want to uh, uh, want to build just to have it? Or is it practical? Does it make sense? And, of course, all of that has to be weighed uh, in in the overall picture of am I financially independent? We would say that that needs to be decided first. There is the bell that indicates uh, our final thoughts. We're almost out of time. So, John, we'll start with you. Scott, I, I was just thinking as you were saying all that, I have uh, been in this industry north of 30 years, and I have seen people who have retired financially independent, and I have seen people who have retired and had a dream home and didn't have enough money coming in for retirement, and they struggled. Retirement is not supposed to be a struggle. Mm-hmm. Retirement is not supposed to be something that you just have to kind of rake and scrape and figure out how you're going to take care of things. Retirement should be a time that you think about how do you enjoy life? And I can't imagine that you enjoy life worried about paying for a mortgage. So think about that. If you can do this type of thing without uh, embracing a mortgage and, and endearing yourself to a mortgage company for another 30 years, I think that that's uh, where I would land. And, and I think the big takeaway from this is you've got to think about this in the overall holistic picture. Yeah, my final thought is you don't want a decent retirement. You want a world-class retirement. And the way you get a world-class retirement is is achieving true financial independence. And we want to help. So my final thought is a free offering from the Gen Wealth team called 7 Steps to Financial Independence. It's right here for those of you watching on our live stream. Take a look at the first page there, Securing Financial Independence. You can get it by texting the word steps to that number that you also text the questions in on 501-381-5228. Again, it's 501-381-5228 to get seven steps to financial independence. Or you can also get it by visiting getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash steps 
or even email us. To get it, just email show at getreadyforthefuture.com. And that's all the time we have for this week's show. As always, we thank you for the questions. We thank you for listening or watching however you get our show. And get those questions to us, 501-381-5228. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And you can always find us on social media. Search for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors on Facebook or on Twitter at Gen Wealth FA. The Gen Wealth Financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866 653 7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.